Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. You made it. Oh, man. Great show today. I've got Grace Steele on the podcast. Grace Steele is a host of the Beacon House podcast, which is one of my favorites to listen to because she's hilarious. Great person. Someone I've known for a really long time. I met Grace when I was nine years old, I think, back in the 1900s. And I hadn't seen her just about since then. But she's also one of the funniest individuals uh, you'll ever hear. Uh, But we got heavy, man. There's some heavy talk in there. And Grace has beat some stuff down that is, I think, uh, very important to talk about. And uh, I think some people out there may be glad to hear uh, that there's some grit out there left still. And people that can beat up some stuff that would get you down if you're not careful. So let's get into my chat with Grace Steele. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's me talking to my friend, Grace Steele. We're doing the podcast. Yeah. We're, we're going. Right now? Yeah, is you're that okay? recording? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you feel okay Isn't about that, it? Yeah. I'm, I'm an open book. You are? Yeah, I'm good. That's good. The best, uh, the best podcast guest. I'm usually guests. stoned when... I do my podcast. You are, that's I, but I'm not t- today. I'm I'm sober. Oh, me I've too, man. I've had one beer and I had this, so I'm I'm good in that arena. Yeah. So, do you do you smoke weed? Do you smoke flour? Do you smoke pens? Do you uh, do edibles? I uh, weed flour, uh, yeah. but uh, I do edibles. Yeah, like, like that's my thing. Like I like the high I get from it. Ed- Most people are like, oh, I can't eat fucking edibles because I get too stoned. I can't do this, and I'm like, give me. Give me an edible, like that's the high I like. Well, like see, the what is it, Delta Eight? Oh, that shit makes me crazy. I can't do really? that. I get a headache. I've heard people talk about that. That like, it, that, like avid weed smokers will uh, take Delta Eight or use Delta Eight, and they're like, "Whoa, that's too much." But it was really even, short. It's not even to me. It's not even a good high. Like really? it's not something I enjoy at all. I won't touch it. People are like, "Oh, I got Delta." I'm like, "I'm good. I'll stay sober." So, it, fine. so it's not a cheat code. Delta eight is not a cheat code. They have not circumvented marijuana laws and cre- and 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 beaten the problem by making this no thing legal. It's not to me, it doesn't doesn't help with my anxiety. Right. It doesn't help me sleep. No, nothing. It literally makes me feel. I feel weird. Really? I feel strange. I don't like it. I just want it to be out and over with. Like I don't like. I don't enjoy it. Interesting. It's been like two years since I've smoked it. Really? And I won't touch it gotcha that that's i don't know always people always pitch it as like the uh the legal version of the thc that they've been trying to use legally for so long yeah it's not it's not the same it's It's not cutting it really tennessee needs to get on fucking board yeah i i think it's going to be uh federally legal before the state probably yeah i mean i mean mississippi it's it's legal there medically is it really yeah fucking mississippi beat us yeah, they're not exactly known as a bastion nope. of pro- progressive values. Nope, they're yeah. not. Yeah, but hell, they're they're doing it better than we are. So you get you, get, you usually get high before your podcast. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, is it is it hard like hard to carry on conversation or is no, it more fun? So it's so much fun, and the shit that comes out of my mouth is funnier. Yeah. Do Still the listeners Spencer, agree? Spencer, yeah, we call it HG High Grace HG. High Grace. Yeah. Okay. Grace is high. That's HG right there. How did the uh, Beacon House podcast become a thing that you were involved in? Because 
it's a pretty prolific podcast. And I've listened to a few episodes and it's hilarious. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Spencer McCoy, I met him like a year ago uh, and he's had it for a really long time. That's the podcast where, like, has yeah. been his thing. I've only been, I, we've only done like nine, 10 episodes with me on it, mm. but he had stopped for a period of time. And then when he met me, he was like, dude, you need to be on our pot, my podcast. And I was like, yeah, he's like, be my co- co-host. And I was like, bet. Yeah, you, we're on all streaming platforms. Yeah. First episode with me on it is Graceful New Beginnings. Love it. We talk about every, like, so, everything. So we, you're like the rebirth of the Beacon House podcast. I am. I am the rebirth You're the phoenix. <laughs> I am, which I'm the phoenix of a lot of things, but yeah. Well, tell people what it's about. Um, well, Beacon House, uh, we don't have like an agenda. We're not like a specific podcast where we talk about like one thing. Like we do adult content. We talk about everything from like mental health to sex to music to dogs to politics, religion. Things that are hard for people to talk about usually. Yeah, but like we laugh and, you know, I get very explicit sometimes. I have a mouth, you know, I'm a very sexual person. So like I, you know, just talk about it. There's one called uh, Crazy Girl Brain. And we talk about just what we were talking about, like how girls like you get down in this tunnel and you start getting crazy girl brain. And you start like blowing the dude up and you do all these things and like talking about like stage five clinger. Yeah, basically, (laughs) basically right there. And every girl goes through it. Guys do too. And every girl goes through it. And it's like, some girls are just natural. Like they're just fucking crazy. And then they like have that dude or that chick. Cause I'm bi, uh, who, who makes them that way, you know, like I've definitely been, I've, I've definitely been the crazy dude brain before. I hate to admit it. Like it's been there, man. It shows that you care and that you know how to love. Because there's people out there that don't know what, like, they don't know what love is. They don't experience it. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, I love my parents, but that's like a carnage thing. Like, you're born. Like, you have to. Yeah. You know? But it's like, I've never loved my dog or I've never been in love before, even though I've been, like, in a three-year relationship. I never, like, truly knew what that was. So, it's like, that's what it shows is, like, when you truly care. And this shit happens. Yeah, but there's it's also- embarrassing. Well, yeah, I guess so. It definitely, uh, uh, feel, it, it makes you feel vulnerable, which is scary. Yeah. That's feeling vulnerable, especially in a relationship is, uh, it's one of the most like, uh, freeing versions of yourself, but it's also one of the least flattering, uh, parts of who you can be sometimes if you just lay bare the idea that you care about somebody and it's just like maybe not being reciprocated or yeah. it's not. I used to hide that part of me. But as I've gotten older, I think that it's really important for people to do that, to lay it all bare. Hmm. And if you can do that and your person can reciprocate it and understand that way, there's no gray area. It's like this is what it is. This is how I feel. This is my expectations. I'm putting it out there. And it is scary and it's not fun because <laughs> half of the time you're being rejected and you're getting the boot out the door. But oh, at man. least you did it and you learned something from it. I always learn something from doing that. And I'm never going to change. I'm always going to lay it out there. So what? what is the uh, – do you guys talk about that kind of relationship 
stuff on your podcast too? Sometimes, is, yeah. Spencer's his name. Yeah. Yeah. Is he's he super cool? Yeah. Is he? Uh, is he uh, single or a he's married single. dude? He's single. He's the the GM for multiple Papa Johns in this area. He's also the guitarist for a band called Burn the City. Nice. Um, yeah. So we have like a bunch of music. When uh, Taylor Hawkins died, yeah, uh, we did a podcast and tribute to him. And we had Andy Campbell and Brandon Hudson, who cool. are local musicians yeah. here in Knoxville, on. And we, you know, we t- we talked about that. So, um, so it's a fun thing. You guys get together, sit in the sit in the studio, and yeah, uh, just, shoot the shit for a couple yeah. hours. And if I'm high, then it just gets even funnier. <laughs> Dude, uh, I think so. Uh, th- this is weird. I've I don't know why, but uh, over the last few podcasts, I've gotten pretty nostalgic about like the people that have come in because a lot of them have been my friends for a long time. And I think maybe you may be a person that I've known the longest, except for Sarah, my wife that's been on the podcast. Uh, We rode the bus together. We did. In elementary school. I was like, what? Five, yeah, four, five, yes, six, yes, yes. Uh, you lived right across the street. Yep. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you this? I'm going to come clean on something that I've never told anybody before. What? Um, I got a bad grade on one of my report cards in like third or fourth grade, and we were getting off the bus, and I put my report card in your backpack because I didn't want to take it home. You weren't looking. And you went home with my report card in your backpack. And my parents said, where's your report card? And I said, I don't know. I don't have it. And they were like, that's bullshit. Where's your report card? I was like, I'm going to have to walk to Grace's house and get it. And she doesn't even know that it was in her backpack. Did you get it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Did my mom give it to you? I don't know. I don't, I do not even remember this. Oh, you, you were none the wiser. You were like getting off the bus and I stuffed my report card in your backpack. Sneaky bastard. I know. I know. I was embarrassed about like a C plus or something, you know? My parents at that age, I probably didn't, they probably didn't even look at my report card. They just loved me and wanted me to be eccentric and... You know, my grandfather would just tell me always, you you could be a CEO of a company, and but never looked at my report card. You were the sweetest kid in the world. I always remember you being just like this, uh, just this like beacon of of happiness and never said anything mean about anybody. You're always still so that kind. way. Are you? Yeah, I'm still like super compassionate, super sweet. Um, I'm all about lifting people up. That's you good. know, I don't talk shit about girls. I don't like see someone with a disability or like someone who might be overweight or they dress funny. I never judge them, never judge them. I'm actually the girl in the grocery store that sparks up conversations with elderly people just to make them feel good. (laughs) Good. Like I will compliment. They do. And I I like to make the little old men feel good. So like I'll ask them to reach for something on the shelf that you can totally reach. Yeah. (laughs) Or like I'll compliment a, a lady on her earrings and like listen to her story for five minutes about her granddaughter picked him out and like I do the same thing and like they walk and they're so they smile and they're just so fucking happy because people our age and even younger are so rude like they just it's true they don't think about it we're gonna be old like that one day yeah and our I feel like our social skills are not um being honed the way now that they were I don't know 20 or 30 years ago when you had to have face-to-face interactions with people to learn social things. Exactly. Cues. Yeah. And so forth. And, and you now don't do that now. Now it's all on social media. Yeah, it's now all on a screen that's in your hand, that's in your pocket. Yeah. 
You, so, okay, you you grew up in like, I feel like you lived with your whole family when you were growing well, up. Well, my mom had me when she was 16. No way. Yeah, and I didn't know who my real dad was. I didn't meet him until I was 18. No way. Yeah, so I lived with my grandparents because my mom was 16 and my uncle, her younger brother, who has who's autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did, so it was that dynamic. And I lived with my grandparents till I was seven till my mom got married. So, and then moved out. Wow. Okay. So I remember you living in that house with your whole family. Yeah. I didn't know the family dy- dynamics. I was 10. Yeah. You know, uh, and you were only there till you were seven years old, till you were in second grade, and then you moved, moved off. Or first grade yeah, or second grade or third, something? I'm, third grade is when we moved. And I've been to nine schools in Knox County. So mom was moving around with you. Yeah. So she got married. Your mom was 16 when she had yeah. you. So she would have been in her 20s when you and I met. Yeah. Like early, early 20s. She would 20s. have been like 21. Wow. So like I grew up on uh, UT's campus in the music building. Was she in school? Yeah, so she nice. was. In, she was a music major, and so so uh, she kept going to school and doing the whole thing, oh, even yeah, though she, she had a daughter. Good yeah, for her, man. Yeah, my grandparent, my grandmother didn't have to work. My grandparents helped raise me, so my mom was doing her thing. She was singing at like Baker Peters and awesome, you know, doing the jazz thing. That's where she met my dad, who is he's not my biological dad, but he adopted me, mm. and I call him dad. He's been yeah. in my life since I was three. You still, you guys still? Yeah, he's in, in DC. Nice. Doing the music gig up there, smoking weed, doing what he wants. <laughs> so old, old weed addled jazz, yeah, jazz guy. Just, that's what he does. And my, <laughs> my stepmom owns her own entertainment company up there. They do bookings for events for like music, dance, DJs, all sorts. My dad just plays gigs. That's awesome. That's what he does. Is your mom life. still doing music? No, not as much. No, not at all. She's just a stay-at-home mom. My daughter's with her a lot. Cool. So, uh, but she, no, she just chills. Love it. They're in Jamaica right now, so. <laughs> Doing yeah, what? Yeah, they go on like four vacations a year. Wish awesome. I had that fucking life. Let's do it. Yeah, get <laughs> out there. Go to Jamaica. And they're only 50. My parents are young as shit. Oh. And I'm 34, so it's like I'm 16 years younger than them. They've got a long way to go still. They do. You know, my parents are almost 70, so that, yeah. yeah, it's kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Mom's got plenty of life ahead of her. She does. She's yeah. spicy, too. Did you uh, work on the farm uh, when you were growing up? Of course. They always made me fucking mow that field. I hate really? it. Yeah, that's it's why I don't mow. a couple mow. acres. It's like six, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. That's why I pay as much as I do to have it mowed, because I ain't doing it. Well, you live there now, right? Yeah, I live there now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it feels so good to be back home, but I swear that house is haunted. Really? Yeah. Sometimes, Because me and my sister will see things or hear things. I'll see a shadow move. I get freaked out. When was that house built, do you know? It was originally a farmhouse, so I don't know. Well, yeah, it's in the middle of like so much land in the middle of a, a very rural area that has since become grown up with. Yeah, with, with mansions everywhere. Yeah, with mansions all around it. Yeah, and then you got this little brown cabin looking rundown house that's not with this like <laughs> land that's like half mode. Wait, did you have Shetland ponies for a while? We had a miniature uh a, a miniature horse named Ruff and then a pony named Star. Okay. I remember Star. Yeah. So we had. Was she gray? No. She, she had a little black. thing on her forehead, right? Yeah. 
That was. But then Ruff was the little one. Yeah, okay. Do you remember me walking him around like a dog? No. No. Okay. I used was, to do that. Was that your? Yeah. Was that your thing? <laughs> it was, because he was so little, and like I wasn't allowed to have like actual pets inside, so it was like that was my that was my thing. What was it like living with a whole house full of like a multi generational house? Crazy. Was it? Yeah. No Why? wonder I'm fucked in the head. No, you're not. Yeah, little, but uh, it was just nuts, because you have like you know. Your grandparents who were like born in the 40s, 50s, so they have like a way of thinking. Hmm. And then like you have your mom, you know, who has to abide by their rules and what they think. And they were also pretty religious. Really? Like, yes, yeah, so like church. Your Wednesday, mom and Sundays. your and your grandparents well, yeah, my, too? Well, the my whole... grandparents mostly, but my mom, like, of course, we were all in it. And Had I, to buy Christian. in or yeah. Yeah, move so out. <laughs> exactly. Um, which there's nothing's wrong with it. I, yeah. I'm still Christian to this day. You know, I, I fell off the beaten path like for years and then I found my way back. You Good. know, so but I have my own I don't like I don't let society tell me how Christians are supposed to be. Like I have my own personal relationship with my own God. I think that's how it should be. It is it is how it should be. And I don't like other people in my business with yeah, it. It's I, like this is what it is. I think Christianity is beautiful. I think religion is beautiful. Yeah. I think it's all great. It's when the doctrine becomes non-negotiable and you have to follow this thing and this is what happened. And if you don't believe it, you're going to hell. You got to believe in a virgin birth. Well, my or grandparents you... are like that. Like they yeah. were super like strict, you know, like I still haven't come out to my grandfather, hmm. you know. As, as bi? Yeah, just because yeah. he would not accept it so mm. there's like there's things that you just have to conform to but um but it was like it was crazy um and then like leaving my mom getting married and then living you know my parents are super young you know when i was seven they were like 24 yeah think about that like you're 24 with like a seven eight year old you know what i mean so like i grew yeah. up and like i saw so many like i remember watching cartoon network for the first time I wasn't allowed to watch that at my grandparents' house. Mm. Like seeing like all the different things. I remember like Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, and <laughs> monsters and 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 Hey Arnold and mm. all sorts of stuff. And like I remember like even though my mom was a musician, like we didn't listen to certain music in the house because my grandmother didn't like it. She called it like and she secular. Was secular music. Yeah. I remember Harry Potter was definitely not allowed. Wow. So yeah. Harry Potter was already out by the time. No, it was like uh, when Harry later. Potter came out later. Yeah. I remember oh. like being over the staying with my grandparents and like I wasn't allowed to read my books there and it was wrong. I remember having Justin Timberlake at my mom's house and my grandmother would come over and be like, she's idolizing him. She needs to take that poster down. And it was like a huge thing. It's like it fucks with your head. Yeah. You know, so. Anytime someone refers to uh, music as secular, I always know where they're coming from. Yeah. I always know the next the next sentence. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so no wonder I went nuts in college. But yeah, so. Uh, but it, it was a crazy dynamic. It was definitely, but it was also, I got like, I may, I know manners. Uh, right. Like I went to cotillion. Like I know how to speak properly. I know like interviews. My grandfather was a lawyer. I know what to wear to court. Yeah. <laughs> like I have like this like traditional where it's like, I'm like, I can be the perfect little. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things that like, especially conservative Christianism gets a bad well, it gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that I that 
I think is valuable is that you do kind of learn some manners here and there. You learn yeah. that you're supposed to say yes, yes sir, no, no yeah. ma'am, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. Uh, for all its for all its faults, everybody that comes out of that world seems to at least have good manners. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah, and I do. That's why moms love me. <laughs> really? Yeah. They love me to death because I offer to help clean, do the dishes and, you know, and they all think like, oh, they're going to treat my son so good. It's like, that's... <laughs> That's always what they think. But you, uh, so your mom had you when she was 16 and then you became a young mom too, right? Yeah. I had Anna, I got pregnant with her when I was 23. Okay. Well, that's not terribly young. Not terribly young, but it's yeah. still young. Like I'm I mean, 34. it's young for now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm 34. She'll be 10. That's crazy. Yeah. And she's mixed. She's biracial. So okay. we're dealing with that. And even in 2022. What's, what's that like? Man, she wants me to date a black man. Okay. That's something we're dealing with right now. It, she wants is, is that is that it? Like is that the only uh, uh, yeah. implications you're seeing from having a biracial kid? Is no, just your it's daughter not. wants she you just, to date a black man. She just wants she wants someone in the family that looks like her. Yeah, that yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. she she so she's aware. She doesn't have yeah. She's aware, and she wants more friends that are her color. She talks about it, and I I try to explain color is just the color. It's not yeah anything you know but it's important to her and her identity Mm. you know and she definitely sometimes when she was younger kids would stare at her and she would like cling to me being like mom they're staring at me and in my mind i'd be like those kids are racist yeah (laughs) let me protect you from them but at the same time but maybe they just didn't know any better too it's and that's the parents fault but i have to i have to wonder i have to ask like how does a how does a like super Christian old school family deal with with biracial with biracial family happening all around them. They're just not racist. They're just that's great. They're I mean, even though they are Southern like Christian, it's um, more of like it's more of like if you, if you know the Bible and you know Jesus, it's it's love everyone. So they have that mentality. So they really they, are practicing. Yeah, like they're not doing practicing what they preach. They're not Baptist. Yeah, like they're nothing against Baptists, right. but like they're they they really are like accepting of all races, all backgrounds. Isn't that nice to hear? And I'm sure just yeah. a, a relief to be a part of the family is nice. because you you hear a lot about um about you know Christian values and then the amount of intolerance that comes out of it i'm really i'm really uh blessed because this goes hand in hand like kind of what we were talking about like me getting vulnerable or whatever so like um my family i'm so thankful that i have my family today um and that they love me you know because i have um I've, i've been clean for almost seven years wow you know from what opioids oh wow yeah so i've been clean um and um, I know a lot of friends and people whose families were not tolerant of their sub. So my family wasn't tolerant of my substance abuse, mm. but they loved me regardless. Right. And they didn't shame me. Right. They didn't. They didn't hate me. You know, they gave me tough love, but th- I still had them. Right. And when I did get clean. Uh, they were there immediately with arms open. It's amazing. Love. 
it was it was really nice to have because a lot of people that I know didn't have that and they didn't make it, you know. Did you have a a, a knee surgery or a elbow surgery and and get addicted to painkillers and then have to go out and find it after you were addicted to it? I hear about that. Yeah, happening actually, a lot. Yeah, actually, um, um, like on a super personal, uh, I was in a, a severely abusive relationship with uh, my daughter's dad. Mm. Um, like it was, it was it was beyond violent. It was horrible. Um, and I ended up in the hospital multiple times. I had been in the hospital for it, but a particular time from domestic, like physical abuse. Yeah. Like, like horrible, violent domestic abuse. Um, I've had surgeries and my teeth have been fake. I've all sorts of things. And so this one particular time I got, um, meds, they gave me pain medication and they were high dosage to help with the pain that I was suffering and I was suffering from depression and I was suffering from anxiety and I hated myself and I felt stuck, you know, cause that's what happens in domestic abuse that you're, 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 um, your person who's abusing you, uh, closes you off from your friends, your family, from your own thoughts. And so, um, taking the medication, it was a way of escaping and it's it's it was I was able to get out. That's how I was able to get out was by getting high. Mm. And so it started that way. And then it trickled into things that were more heavy. And, you know, it got worse. The abuse didn't stop. You so know? after you get out of the hospital and you're and you're taking opioids to mm-hmm. kind of a ease the pain, but also to provide yourself a little bit of numbness. Yeah, or, some comfort like it was right. comfort for me. <clears throat> the it it continued the the mm-hmm. abusive relationship continued oh yeah <sighs> it continued and it got worse and it got worse and it got worse and so of course the drug use got worse and it got worse and worse just both of them just right there together just yeah, the worst the just oh going God, man i'm sorry going side by side you know and there's nothing that my parents you know attempted to try to save me but what can from you do? which part all of it. Really? Did yeah. they did they did your family know that that the uh abusive relationship was happening too or Yeah, they knew okay. they knew that it, it all was happening. I don't think I think some of it also was out of sight out of mind for them. Mm. And I think once I got so bad off on drugs, it was kind of like tough love and when you're in a domestic abusive relationship as deep as I was in it's really hard to get out Mm. like even if someone's like I will take you from this and move you like you have a fear like I always had a fear of him coming after me which he would sometimes or you know like he like if you physically went away and left and went somewhere he would find you yeah and he would do that I remember packing my bags and thinking he would be gone and he just showed up and like he just slammed my head into the walls my god you know and he'd call the cops and be like she has a gun in the car or like things like that or he like sent a video of me doing drugs to my mom being like look at what she does and like just anything to get me to stay and then he would love bomb me and be like I'm sorry you know I don't want to treat you like this I love you I don't know what's wrong with me you're great and then it would be okay for a little bit and then the abuse would be even worse than it was before oh, man. 
And so it was just really hard to leave. And so this happened for years that it went on. And so my drug use got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then till it just, I didn't even want to use anymore. I just didn't know how to get away and I didn't know how to stop. And at this point, my family is like, she's going to have to do it by herself at this point. And so it's ultimately what ended up happening. Is that was rock I did bottom? It by myself. Yeah, it was rock bottom. Like so. I was at, I remember, I remember when I finally got away, I was so thankful, so thankful for what was happening to me. It was horrible about how I got away, but I was so thankful that it was happening um, and I didn't even care sitting in the back of that cop car. I didn't how, even care at that how'd point. How'd you do it? How'd you get away from, how did, how do you get away from a, a domestic, a domestic, a, an abusive relationship, but also one that, that gets the hooks of opiates in you well, too? Do you have to get away from them one at a time or do you break jail. it up? Okay. <laughs> that is, that's literally what saved my life. Going to jail? Going to life. Yeah. For, for drugs? And that's how I like, uh, found my Christ again. Really? Was doing that. Yeah. Uh, going to jail. I I had to get clean. I, I had to quit cold turkey. You, could, you don't get drugs in jail. Do they send you to uh, detox first? No. If they know you're on, if they know. Nope. They no. just stick you in a cell. And, and then let you, you sit detox. there and go full train spotting style. Yeah. Unless you're like on certain, like if you're on Xanax or you're coming off alcohol, they'll put you in medical because you can actually die. Hmm. You don't really coming off um opiates you don't you feel like you're dying it looks like you're dying but it's very rare for someone to die from those withdrawals oh really it's an absolutely horrible experience you really? feel like you're dying uh my i actually did have to go to medical after i was in there for three days because my kidneys were shutting down and they had to take me to the hospital well that sounds like it was a physiological yeah. breakdown but like from with, the drugs with xanax like you can you'll die like you you'll your body is that what you were using no no no, no 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 it was just opioids so so that's like oxycontin and stuff heroin like that. and heroin yeah yeah so is that like needles or is that opium like smoking it or what it's, all of it yeah yeah god man i'm so and uh, i'm so pretty too you're beautiful <laughs> i know are you kidding it's me? like people are like why are you fucking with that shit and it's like well this dude's got me fucked up yeah uh and this is i the only way i know how to like deal with it do you, you know, do you, uh, okay. So you, you got, you had a rock bottom moment. You're in a police car. Yeah. I'm in a police car. I'm with him. Okay. He was him with in you. The police car. We were being arrested. Oh my gosh. He's telling me, don't worry. We're going to get through this. And I remember just looking at him and taking my hand away and looking at him dead in the face and being like, it is over. It's Where's your daughter done. at this point? She was my mommy. Okay. She was with your mom. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm trying to She's paint the picture two. in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So it was eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you say what the thing was that, that, that made it, uh, that like the, the moment that moved you in that direction? What do you mean? Like what, what, what put you guys in the cop car together? It was just another domestic d dispute? No, it was drugs. Really? Yeah. It was, uh, it was drugs. They found, caught us with drugs. Ah. Uh. And so that's what did it. And so, um, and so I was, so I got, I've never been to rehab. Really? Uh, no, never been to rehab. And you just kind of did 
did it yourself? Yeah. Just, that moment from like pulling your hand away from yeah from your uh, from that moment, yeah. I didn't touch the stuff. No and way. I never. I I got him out of my life. Like, really? I just, yeah. I was like, I'm done. It's wow. over. That does. That's like. That's that doesn't really work like that, though, usually, Sometimes right? Sometimes it does. Really? That's why I say, like, that's why I was, like, the hand of God. Like, he blessed yeah. me with grace. Like, I didn't deserve this, but he had me. My parent, my my dad was there from the beginning. He, like, I called him. He put money on my books so I could buy, like, shampoo from commissary. My mom, my dad did visitations with me. How long were you in jail? A while. Really? Yeah. Man. For a while. That's but I serious, But I needed man. it. Yeah. And... It was good for me. And when you got out, and it, I got was, out it was a new I, life. Yeah, I went and lived with my mom. And I got Anna, I had my kid. And he's not in the picture. He's gone out of the picture. And I never haven't relapsed since. And I haven't touched it. I haven't thought about touching it. I don't want it. I'm happy. I'm healthy. You know? I feel like you... You don't hear that story very often. You don't. I've been to more funerals from friends overdosing than I have baby showers or weddings combined. Is that just because of the crowd you fall in with when you're using? It's not just that. It's like, so I don't know when, if you remember when uh, opioids hit Knoxville super hard. I don't. It was I mean, like I had my wisdom teeth pulled ago. one time and I well, there took were some <laughs> pill mills everywhere. Like oh, yeah. it was like heroin's it was flushed into Knoxville. Pills were just flushed in here. It was like insane. So it was like there wasn't many people I didn't know that I knew that wasn't using. So you could have been like going to your it could have just been like you normal and no one would have known. Mm. Um so but I have tons of friends from like Farragut that I've been friends with since high school and they they used and they died and it's heartbreaking two of my very best friends that I was friends with for 10 plus years they tried and they struggled and they fought with addiction over and over and over and over again and they just unfortunately the addiction won I had a uh, Jackson Fenner on the podcast and he is a candidate for Knox County District Attorney. And he's a wonderful dude and very pragmatic individual. He's on the Democratic ticket, but he is very um he's a pragmatist. He's 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 not it doesn't seem like he has an agenda one way or the other. He's very black and white about things. And I asked him about uh, because he was, he's been a, uh, he's been a prosecutor, not a prosecutor. He's been a defense attorney for, uh, 10 years at least in town. And he's represented a lot of folks on drug crimes. And I asked him what was like our biggest problem with drugs around here. Um, and he said, it's whatever's coming into town. He said, you will see a month where people are getting arrested for crack cocaine. And then you'll see a month where people are getting arrested for opiates. And he said, it depends on what the supply is. And that's what people are getting arrested for. And so for, for me to hear you talk about when this whole thing, the pill mills and all that came to town, uh, it, it makes sense that, you know, if that would have been out there when you started experimenting, it's whatever you, you could have easily gotten, uh, involved with something else, maybe if that was yeah. what was available, and it's kind of I just if that doctor hadn't prescribed me such a high dosage with multiple refills, you feel like that was the thing. I think that like I wouldn't 
have it wouldn't have gotten that bad so when I got my, I joked and said, you know, I've had my wisdom teeth pulled and that's really my only, that's really my only brush with opioids. Um, but if they would have refilled my prescription after I went back for the, my checkup a week later, I probably would have taken them and yeah. I probably would have kept. You feel great on them. Sure. You, they feel, you feel sure. amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I took just, some for a procedure I had recently, and they made me sick, which I was really kind of happy That's good. About. Let them make you sick. My yeah. mom won't touch pain medication. Yeah. Right. But uh, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? A little bit, yeah. So the one of their executive producers, his name was Harris Whittles, he grew up in Houston, and he had a knee surgery when he was 16 years old in high school. And he uh, started taking painkillers, and his doctor never stopped him from doing it and it just kind of became part of his life he moved out to la he started working on nbc network television shows and doing great working his way up the ladder eating a hydro here doing a little whatever there and then you know he's i want to say he was 28 30 years old he died from an overdose from just uh you know probably fentanyl Probably. Yeah, but, that's a big one. That's right. When I got clean, fentanyl had just hit the streets. It was killing people left to right. So I was, if I had continued down the path, you would have run across fentanyl. At some I would point. have, I probably, I would be dead right now. Yeah. I would not be sitting in this chair. Yeah. It's a more dangerous time than ever to use drugs that you don't know where they came from. Exactly. That's yeah. why if you're smoking weed, find you a good grower. Yeah. <laughs> so you know where that shit comes from. Are they because lacing the, weed with they fentanyl? Are fentanyl are bullshit. I'm are they not, really? You look it up. It's happening. There's there's people are overdosing on fentanyl from smoking a blunt. What a, a an awful thing. And the people and they and the drug dealers know that it's that it's a killer. They know it. But they're doing it anyways because they can make money off of it. Why? Why? Why am? I, why would you make money greedy. off of some? I know, but if you're selling me a bag of weed that has fentanyl in it, I didn't buy the weed to get fentanyl. I bought the weed to get weed. Yeah. Like what? Why are they? Why are they dusting your weed with something? Because it makes you um, like the way it makes you feel. So they're like, oh, this weed's great. We'll put some fentanyl in. It'll make them sleepy or make them this, and so they'll want it more. So it's it's just like it, it's a. It's sad what what it is and what people are what they're doing. They are. I, I'm pretty sure they convicted Mac Miller's uh, drug yeah, dealer. Yeah, I think he got like 17 years. Yeah, for it. For, it's and, good. And Mac Miller was buying like Xanax or something. My from friends' it. drug dealers didn't get convicted. Really? Because your friends them. weren't famous. Yep. Yeah. So rest in peace. Yeah, it's a huge, it's it's a thing that has to be dealt with and yeah. like. It, a lot of what you hear about it is that there's just like this molecular engineering of it too, to where they're just changing a little something in China where they're manufacturing all of it and just changing a little bit of a molecule to where it passes a standard where it's not a drug anymore. Yeah. And then, so then the next time they do it again and they change one more molecule to make it not a drug anymore just to pass standards. Yep. And then by the time you go through 25 of these processes, 25 different steps of this, it's like generational bastardization of this one thing that was not safe to begin with, but it sure as hell 25 permutations later. Well, fentanyl is supposed to be for cancer patients. Yeah. They it's use it as be... it's, it's uh, morphine. Yeah. Like, but it's super strong. It's supposed to be for people in like severe 
like dying hospice like that's what it's supposed to be so you know and it's and it's really tough I, I am really lucky and I count my blessings for it because you know there's still people out there struggling that I know you know but when I got clean like I cut I don't talk to any of those people anymore like people will hit me up they're clean now and I'm like that's you know I'm happy I'm good that's good like you know keep it up you know but also like my past follows me yeah and so and yeah do you, do you wonder about like if you do connect with a friend that you used to use drugs with uh that if you now that even though you're both clean now if you get together do you worry that all there's, the time really yeah that there's so gonna I don't be some hang out. yeah so I don't hang out with I don't hang out with them because it's like not because you don't like them but because of the risk right. of like you guys falling back into the way of How 10 it years was. ago like we could do it one more time and one one of the biggest re- reasons people relapse is boredom really being bored man that's I'm, why like uh, the pandemic there was so many overdose so yeah you're bored yeah Cigarette, uh, ca- uh, cigarette sales went up like thirty percent. Alcohol, yeah, alcohol, just, <laughs> yeah. People wanting something drunk. to do. Yeah, they're bored. So that's usually when you're bored is when you're like, let me get when you up. get into trouble. What is the idle hands? Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, what's that saying? Idle hands are the devil's playground. Yes. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Because that's yeah. that's what it is. I've been blessed because I just, man, I've I have been through it. I have been through so much that I just am happy and I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't need, I don't need that shit. I'm good. I'm really good. So good. And I'm, I'm, and you're talking, you're like, you've known me since I was, you know, second, first grade, second grade, you know, and you're talking about how sweet I am and like, you know, and I, I still look good. I still look young. Um, you know, and it's all walks of life can go through what I went through and you never know, Hmm. you know? Yeah. My thing is, is like, um, don't judge your fellow recovering drug addict. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't judge us (laughs) because we're just people. We make mistakes. I think it's very admirable. And I don't know when people are six months clean, I'm like, awesome. Keep it up. Do it. But when people are eight years clean, I'm like, all right, you may have this thing whipped. Yeah. Like you may do it, but there's a reason they don't call you recovered. You know, they call you recovering. recovering. Exactly. Because it is that thing that has the grip. It does. And it, and it can come back and it's a constant fight. I'm certain, but. Uh, Mental illness is a bitch. Is that part yeah. of it, you think? Yeah. I, I struggle with depression, anxiety. Really? Really bad. Yeah. Like to a point where seeing a therapist is helpful or No, it's 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 helpful and I'm on like three different medications really? for anxiety and depression. Mm. To help. And it's it's good, it works. Yeah. Mental health is something that is has become uh very mainstream lately. I think it's very important. Um people don't talk enough about men's mental health. Really? Because we cover shit up all the time? Yeah. And y'all are supposed to be big and strong and yeah. shit. And y'all like don't want to talk about your feelings or your yeah. emotions. You but can't it's show like, any yeah. any chinks in the armor, man. Yeah. But y'all struggle with it just as much as we I'm do. I'm sure. I mean, we're humans. I'm mm-hmm. sure as many, uh, as many men have mental health issues as women have mental health issues. It's mm-hmm. just 
men have to be a lot less likely to admit it and to seek treatment for it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it, it seems to be such a topic now that, I don't know, I, I and maybe I'm a little bit cynical about it, but I almost feel like people do kind of use it as a get out of jail free card sometimes too. But, That's true. You know? They do. And so you it's like anything else. Once uh once it becomes acceptable, people start to exploit it. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry I said that terribly awful thing to my coworker. I was just having a mental health break. It's like, but you can't say that. You can't yeah, use you can't that treat word. people like shit just because you're having a bad day, you know? Yeah. Like that's not that's not cool. And right. you know, you should you should get that checked out if <laughs> you're doing that on a regular basis. Right. But there is a ton of depression, especially in men, that goes covered up for yeah, sure. Unnoticed. Yeah. And I feel like women are a lot more willing to approach it. Women in general are more willing, I feel like, to attack problems that are are uh that need it that need attacking. <laughs> and men seem more a little more willing to cover them up and brush them under the rug because it doesn't make us look flattering or um, strong. Yeah. Makes us look vulnerable. I feel like men are a lot less, men are a lot less uh, uh, willing to grapple with vulnerability than, than women are. And I think that's bullshit. Yeah. I think men should be okay with it. They should. I think men should be okay saying I go to therapy. Yeah. This last guy uh, that I was seeing, like he, he's, he go he takes meds and he's like all about it and he's open with his close friends are these meds like are they like cheat codes to happiness or are there other things no, that you definitely have to not do? cheat code but they like they have side effects they manage yeah not sexually active moody gaining weight losing uh, weight shit like that yeah so there's no such thing as a free lunch out there nope yeah you still gotta <laughs> deal with something it's just not the mental health thing exactly so that's probably know. something that also keeps people from reckoning with things like that too is mm -hmm. being scared about the side effects and you know if you don't feel good about yourself you're gaining weight and you can't have sex with your wife like are you does that breed depression yeah some people <laughs> will just stop taking the meds because they're like my sex drive is down yeah you know so it's like which one are you what are you going to give up right. like you're going to maintain your mental health to where you can function and be normal or semi-normal or you know gonna not take it so you can have sex which which one yeah it's got to be some some trade-offs that happen and i bet i don't know especially with men i bet if you they definitely choose the sex they're like i'll hashtag deal with it yeah a hundred percent yeah it's mm -hmm. a bit of a bummer but it's 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 facts did you meet my dog when you came here? I did, Bonnie. Mm -hmm. She is cute. Do you know where she came from? Where? We found her at Bonnaroo in 2011 <sighs> in a in a tent. She was turned into lost and found, and she became our uh, our little puppy after that. We took care of her for the weekend. We found her on Friday night. Is that what she's called, Bonnie? Uh-huh. Aw. Yeah. I got to introduce her to Ashley Caps last week, the guy that started Bonnaroo. So it was like super full circle. Did you get a picture? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. saw that picture. It's cute. You? Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. She's a sweetheart. But you can, so you 
have experience working with animals and you can make them stop jumping on you even at 11 years old is that right i can <laughs> i can help your dog not pull on a leash i can teach your dog place i can teach your dog to open the fridge to get a beer if you want oh you and really I, picked up steam there at the yeah, end <laughs> and i know how to do flashcards with dogs what yeah what's that uh so you can get like just like like your toddlers like get a you know like say like you have a ball and a star yeah or a tree and a bird and you hold up and you you teach you teach them one flashcard and you get them to recognize it then you teach them the other one okay and you get them to recognize it and then you introduce both okay and it's just being consistent what what benefit does introducing both of them have that bit uh well because then they can identify which one so when you're like tree and they're like tree and you're like bird bird you can even switch your hands wait so if you're saying tree what are they doing like are they going to a tree or no they... no, no you just like have a flashcard with a picture of a tree and you say tree out loud yeah okay you're teaching them that this is tree okay and then say this one's a bird and you're okay. holding and gotcha. you're teaching them tree and you're teaching this one's bird and then when you're holding and you're like tree and they're supposed to like bump it with their nose or they can do their paw oh and some people are like oh well you're holding them in the same hand so they know so switch it up yeah yeah or you can do uh shapes well what what's the utility of this though teaching your dogs flashcards is it just like a parlor trick to pick up a girl i don't know okay (laughs) (laughs) Okay, to to seem cool so i don't need to get special with it you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and some dogs like border collies, poodles, like uh, dogs, the uh, breeds that are super like uh, uh, that need stimulation, brain. Stim- so physical stimulation is part of it, but most dogs get worn out from yeah. brain stimulation. Gotcha. So working that brain wears your dog out more nice. than a thirty-minute run. So people that have these overactive labradoodles, they need flashcards. They need flashcards. They need snuff. Uh, blankets they need wait what's a snuff blanket it's it's those where it looks like shag carpet and you hide treats in it and they gotta like find them all how big is the shag carpet you can't get big I have one for my dog that has like different flaps and things on it and he has to like flip them over open or like snuff around to find them and it's just working for food also uh, feeding your dog out of like uh, slow feeders your dog's having to work to get their food, Ooh. which is making their brain. They would prefer to work for it. How That's, does a slow feeder work? Um, so the idea originally is um, what it's for is if your dog just scarfs their food down super fast, um, and that can be really unhealthy. They yeah, can yeah. choke. They can vomit after. Yeah. Um, you don't want that. Right. Um, so a slow feeder just makes them eat slower. Okay. They have to How get, does it work, though? So it looks like a, like a, like a maze. Like a puzzle. Ah, so they've got to like eat their way through yeah, the they, through the uh, Epcot Center. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So they they could do it, and so it, and it works their brain. Also, there's uh, puzzles. Um. So like they have to like pull things out, lift things, slide them over. Some people choose to feed their dog that way. It's all about brain stimulation mm. and getting your dog to work that brain, those muscles, get it going. Um. And it's really helpful when you have a dog who is high energy because you're thinking like, oh, my dog just needs to run for 30 minutes and I don't have time to do that. And it's like, well, get toys, get get those little balls that, you know, you put treats or feed them um, and dog training. We just say feed your dog, put regular dog food in those. And like and, a Kong toy. Yeah. Or and something. just let it roll around and let them figure out how to get the food out. Yeah. They'll go to sleep after. Ah, because it's working their brain too. Mm-hmm. They get tired. Wow, I would think. Remember how those... tired you used to be from doing long division? 
Yeah, man, I did some today. I had to do like, uh, uh, I had to add three. I had to add like four thousand dollars to twelve thousand dollars to seven thousand dollars. And man, I was worn out. Yeah, it's your brain. You're just tired. <laughs> and after I that. got it wrong and, the first time. Listen, <laughs> like, I'm the worst at math. I was literally sitting in my car trying to figure out what is eighty times forty. And I was sitting there like, Grace, you're not dumb. Like, come on. And so I was sitting there. I had to pull out my calculator. Really? It's 3,200, right? I don't know. I can't remember. Done too many drugs. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm right. I think you just multiply the first numbers and then add the zeros to the end of it. Yeah, 3,200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Still got it. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. I don't. I can't do math worth crap. But I'm great at English and geography and history and- I think in like maybe it dogs it it shows itself for sure, but like in humans too, you 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 forget how much working your brain out really exhausts you, and being in the sun too, those are two things this that wear you is out. Is killing me on Beacon House? Me and Spencer were making fun. We we're like, would you have cho- choose to be dry heat in Southern California, New Mexico, Texas, or deal with the humidity? Humidity. <laughs> Uh, here in East Tennessee, which one would you prefer? I don't have a lot of experience with dry heat. I've been to those states, but not in the summer, so I don't really know. But I feel I love East Tennessee, so I wouldn't give up living here because I love the Four Seasons. I love the mountains. This is home to me, the wildflowers, honeysuckle, it all. This is home. I wouldn't change it. But the humidity? It's a lot. I, I'm constantly sweating from areas yeah. that are not meant to be sweaty. Right. I always feel like an old man when I'm like, oh, it's not the heat that'll get you. It's the humidity. <laughs> it's the humiditities. <laughs> I hope I can say that. And then I bump <laughs> into shit and start bleeding. You know, just a little, little, little old man scar. Oh, I get up and my <laughs> knees pop. I can't like be down for periods. I stand up and I'm like, oh. I'm getting old. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm uh, mid 30s. You're doing great. Thanks. You're kicking you're ass. You're kicking ass. You are too. And I'm so glad that we got to sit down and do this. We yeah. uh, ran into each other, I don't know, a year ago, maybe. Yeah, maybe you like, checks. yeah, maybe more than that. And Sarah recognized you. Yeah, and I did not recognize y'all. I yeah, was like, what? I didn't recognize you like, either. I'm used to Little Ben. I know. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> if you would have shown me a seven year old version, you would have been like, oh, Grace, what's up? <laughs> But apparently we've all gotten 30 years older. Woo! Mid-30s right here, baby. Here we go. Getting it. 35 next year. Love it. Yeah. I'm super glad that we got to to do this. I'm glad you came over and everybody should listen to Beacon House because it's hilarious. Yeah, check out Beacon House. I'm a hoot. You are a hoot. Spencer's so smart. Things we talk about, it's just... It's just, it's a good time. I feel like Spencer's kind of back there, just kind of like keeping it on the rails. He does. Yeah. He, he keeps me on track and he like, he asks me the questions so that like I can get on there, but he lets me just say what I need and I do and we go, you know? It's really funny. And if people want a good laugh from a funny person, they should check it out. Thanks. For sure. I think I'm pretty funny too. You're hilarious. Thanks. And, and- if anyone wants any advice on dogs- Dude, how to help yeah. anything. Your dog me... your dog knowledge is is happening. It's entering yeah. the world right now. You're, you're love... getting out there and, and helping people with, with their uh 
with their pups. Exactly. I, and I would love to love on your babies. You need dog walking, pet sitting, anything. Let me know. And I'll make you laugh. And I'll wear your dog out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Grace. I'm so glad to see you. And I'm so Thanks, super pumped that we got to do this. Me too. We'll see you soon. Yeah. You Let's see do it soon, again yeah. sometime. Thanks. Bye. See ya. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. How was it? Good for you? Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for checking out South of Scruffy. Follow us on Instagram at South of Scruffy. Send us an email, southofscruffy at gmail.com. We're around. Who's listening? Hit us up. Let us know. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Be real good out there, all right? Pitchwire, play me out.